Hello and welcome to the Governor's Podcast. My name is Mike Simmons and I'm the Governance Development Officer at the Diocese of Chichester. Great to have you on this third episode of the podcast, which is being recorded on Monday morning the 17th of October. These are really difficult and and changing days, aren't they, politically and in terms of all of the pressures that we're facing in our society. It's difficult to know what's going to happen next. Later today, there will be another mini-budget, so we're told, which will perhaps give us some ideas, but it's mostly about trying to calm the markets. Will we know this week, next week, what the impact of the current context is going to be on our uh, school budgets? I was talking recently with uh, some people about governance and the challenges of governance, and recognise that balancing the budget is one of the most difficult and challenging things as we sit here today. As we look at the cost of living crisis, as we think about energy prices, as we have uh, uh, unfunded um, pay awards to deal with, and so on and so forth. You don't need me to tell you some of those challenges. We're also looking at the challenge of pupil performance and looking and pouring over the data, trying to work out what it is we need to do as we go forward. How do our school development plans need to be shaped? And then thirdly, as we look at the uh, needs of the children and our staff, pupil well-being, staff well-being is a very real priority. Maybe it would be easier to be an ostrich and bury our head in the sand, although I think I'm told that uh, that actually isn't a thing. But are we half full or half empty people? I was challenged this morning as I read uh, an email that came into my uh, uh, inbox just on that very theme. And it made me think very much about the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Are we going to be the disciples who, ha- who kind of wring our hands in horror and have no sense of uh, being able to look to God to do something in this situation? Or are we going to be the lad who brings his little lunchbox of two, was it two fish and five loaves or the other way around? Yes, as we come to our discussions, are we the kind of people who can look forward and have confidence? I shared this poem in an email. This is not the age of information. This is not the age of information. Forget the news and the radio and the blurred screen. This is the time of loaves and fishes. People are hungry and one good word is bread for a thousand. So I think perhaps amongst other things, we ought to be people of encouragement and people of hope. People who don't just uh, give in to the prevailing winds, but recognize that uh, there is a future. There is reason to be positive as we uh, grapple with the tr- with the the tricky things of our lives and our world and indeed our schools. One of my favourite quotes that I use in training sessions is that as educators or those involved in education as as a Christian or in our church schools we are making an attempt to find a form of life as educators and learners that resonates with God's ways with the world in Christ. Not easy to work out. But our purpose surely must be to try and find the hope in the darkness or the light in the darkness and the hope in the hopelessness that others may find and feel. 
Well, I think one of the ways we can do that is to uh, smile, to have a laugh. And so I'm going to now introduce you to Paul Carenza, who spoke at our recent virtual conference uh, with uh, some things to just kind of smile at uh, around all sorts of areas of education. So Ofsted on day one, what did that mean? Being together and how we can do so much more when we are face to face. Humility and top gear and being a Christian in a school. These are some of the themes that Paul shared with us as he uh, joined us for the end of the conference. Paul came direct from uh, Salford where he was recording songs of praise and if you saw that episode yesterday on the 16th of October you will know he was talking about the Christian beginnings of the BBC uh, a really great interview within the midst of that particular edition of songs of praise so here is Paul Carenza I've actually come back. I was racing here. Um, nearly had to do this from the side of the the motor. I've been. I live in Guildford. I was in Salford uh, until early afternoon, uh, doing some filming with uh, with songs of praise. Uh, in fact, talking about um, a project of mine on the history of the BBC and public service broadcasting and its role and religion's role within that. Um, and um, in fact, we were late. We have a round of filming there, which had a knock on effect of delaying their filming with the Bishop of Salford. So who knows, maybe me delaying the Bishop of Salford earlier means he was late for the for your bishop's call. And the knock on effect is he's not here for that reason. I can only apologise if the butterflies flapped its wings in that area. But um, uh, but I, I sort of wanted to uh, um, firstly, I should say, uh, let's lower the expectation of comedy right now, because uh, if any of you partook in a Zoom gig uh, in, in the last two to three years, you'll know full well this is neither the time nor the place for um uh, in fact, i did a few zoom gigs and um you know you could you could see the audience there when they had no other opportunity to go out and you'd be saying um oh you're on mute uh i can't hear you laughing and you just hear someone say we're not on mute and that was a tough gig i mean you know in terms of heckles and the like um you know that they don't get much worse than that so um but my background, I'm a comedian, a writer, a bit of radio. I'm a Christian, which is a good thing to be able to say without a bottle flying. Um, although he's surprised given that I'm at home. Um, and I've always said, you know, great to be a Christian. We get a hard time Christians uh, for some reason. We're nice people. Uh, of course, the word Christian named after the two great names of history, Christ and Ian. We've forgotten Ian. No one knows who Ian was. No one wrote a book about Ian. That's the thing. But um, we are blessed and honoured and privileged to have um, uh, a faith to follow in Christ and of course uh, an, an honour and a privilege to be able to hand this down to the next generation um, and, uh, and, that, and that's a marvellous thing. Um, I, I think there is that crossover between uh, maybe teacher, minister, church and comedian I think in a way in that we are all often one person in a room facing a room of people who are all facing they're all facing one way. We are the one person facing the, the other. And I suppose uh, our job is partly to get a message across, a bit of crowd control, sometimes whether you're comedian, teacher or minister. And, uh, and, and sometimes um, we win, sometimes we leave, but sometimes it's also about convincing that room that you are right to be the one person facing the wrong way. Um, but in, in imparting some of this knowledge, I think it can be, um, be hopefully helpful. Obviously, I mean, I, one of the things I reflect on particularly, and I've been doing some, uh, some pause for thoughts and things, or Radio 2 stuff, just trying to, 
I, I, one of my big things is reflecting, I think, on, on the last few years. I, I think we've, we do need to look forward, absolutely. But I think the books have yet to be written on what we as people, as a planet, really been through in the last two to three years. Um, and of course, the children. Um, we have children here in this house. We have, we have, we have these two um, diminutive lodgers with us for a couple of decades. Children, other people like to know them as. And homeschool suddenly appeared. Now, of course, you as, as, as governors know the impact of this and the sudden moment when you are told they are at home now. You, we, as parents, we are, this, this wasn't the contract. This is not, we're not, we're not ready for this. I mean, typically, uh, as, as our homeschool, we got offsteaded on day one. What are the chances? Knock at the door. Uh, we were outstanding. Um, well, I was in the garden, but uh, but um, I declared it a starting sit day. In fact, so I was I was down at Weatherspoons trying to get in. They were closed, so it was an unusual time. Now, my children love technology, and it is so difficult. The acceleration of technology with certainly our children that the chance we have in a crisis, we often move forward technologically. And I found this 100 years ago when I was in the research I'm doing about the origins of the BBC out of the First World War comes use of wireless radio communication technology. Without that war, you wouldn't really have that. Similarly, um, with the pandemic, you know, the way that has moved on the children. And it is so difficult to digitally parent children who know more than we do about the technology. My seven-year-old reprogrammed the parental lock on the tv so we can't watch what we want to watch that's the level we're currently working with and meanwhile my son who is when he was 10 he loved it so much every subject was suddenly it that he was learning uh, online history matching everything was it and he loved it he had a great time we were the swan's legs paddling away underwater while he seemed to be gliding across the top having a great time with homeschool and uh, and he's teaching the teachers how to use Microsoft Teams. Um, he's saying to them, see me after, and they would. In fact, for his birthday, he wanted a book on IT. And I found a book called IT by a bloke called Stephen King. So we'll see how that one goes down. Um, perhaps not. But um, the homeschool, I think, I think it, and the pandemic and the experiences they've had, I think, um, I'm sure the impact is still being written on that. One of my sidelines I've been doing since the, uh, the, the, the stand-up comedy, obviously, you know, it went and it's come back, but it's not fully back. So I've been teaching, uh, lecturing actually at a, a university, University of Winchester, and also Falmouth University uh, online. So I'm doing both of those at the minute at the same time. And I've seen um, my experience, and I think shared by a lot of the other lecturers in terms of the in-person lecturing has been a generation coming through now who have been taught uh, online for a couple of years, whether that's A-levels, first year of university. And now we're back in the room together, getting conversation, interaction going has proven tricky because these are people who've learned passively. I think in some of their cases, it was Microsoft Teams and cameras were off and they sat there and essentially watched live lessons happening. Um, I had a couple of those last year and those awful two hour long lectures where you are looking at your screen and, uh, and, and you can't even see the people you're speaking to. You certainly can't hear them. And after 20 minutes, I, I sort of said, um, is, is this working? And just one lone voice of a student said, yes. And I carried on talking for another hour and a half because you, I was, you try and uh, engender conversation and we are now we're back in person. I just think that is something that needs to be um, working extra hard to get those people to make sure that we are communicating. Because 
out there in the industry, whatever they end up doing. As a sitcom writer myself, the, the, my favourite part of that job is when we are together as a, as a comedy writing team. So we worked on Miranda, Miranda Hart's show, Not Going Out, Lee Mack's show. You come together and you bounce off each other. And that's a marvellous thing when that happens. If you're in the room together, obviously we can't be here today, but there's a benefit, obviously, to, to, uh, to being online. But coming back to room together is that chance to, um, to be part of, a, of the outside the box thinking. So not going out, we're thinking of lines for this sitcom. And in the break between lines, because we're tearing our hair out, Lee Mack is saying, we need a funny actress uh, for this part. Uh, who are we going to cast? He's looking at casting tapes. This is 12 years ago now. I, I had to look online. Oh, Miranda Hart. That's a good part. I saw her on TV last night. I had to look up her name. She was still temping at the time. Said so you should audition her. They auditioned her. She got the part. She came back as a regular, got her own series. She owes me her entire career, essentially is what I'm saying. But that was there because I was in the room. And since then, we've done it all online. And I'm no longer part of that process because we don't have those cup of tea moments because we're just emailing back and forth. It's a very different way of, of doing it. In terms of the Christian side of things as well, and it's what's great is when faith is at a part of these children's life and it's normalised because I think for too long it's been abnormalised. And it's, it's great when it's part of that discussion. My, my daughter made me so proud a few months ago when she came back saying that her friend Navnidi and her, uh, Navnidi uh, was celebrating Diwali. Um, and my daughter was in the playground asking about Diwali and Navnidi was saying, oh, it's um, Festival of Lights. Uh, that's what we do. We talk about light and darkness and we celebrate it this time of year. And my daughter said, oh, we do that with Christmas. That's all about, we have lights, we have flames, we have candles and we have Christmas lights. And she knows it all comes from there. And they had about a 20 minute discussion about Diwali and Christmas and the commonalities, where the crossover is. And then they went their merry ways. And it was oh, like my, my interfaith heart was full. Um, and those opportunities, and I'm well aware, I've been doing some work with, uh, with, with Natre, the, uh, the RE um, Association and uh, and in government, we did a round table with, with politicians not too long ago, just to try and get RE back in the heart of this, these discussions. A final story, leave with, because I'm well aware it's, it's, it's getting on. Um, well, a show I worked on was Top Gear, just the Chris Evans series. If you didn't see it, it went really well. If you did see it, you know the truth. It was terrible. But um, one of the direct, I, I, I always feel alone as a Christian in the media, generally speaking. And we're in the room there together. That's one of the few shows I was in the room. And the director on Top Gear, the one who does all the really snazzy, beautiful car shots that makes cars look amazing. He's a Christian, evangelical Christian, goes to church in West London. And I'm a sort of um, and, and a C of E kind of, um, kind of, yes, Christian here. Sort of thing. But he's out there, hands down for coffee kind of person. And knowing him in the office means that there's two of us. We're dots, but now there's a line and a third one. And suddenly you're a triangle and the strongest of shapes. And we were in there when the Top Gear situation was going terribly wrong and hosts were leaving, airlines were cancelling, we had to cancel film shoots, it was just going terribly. Newspapers every day were hounding us and we had, there was a newspaper headline in The Guardian saying, God hates Top Gear. And I showed this to my, my Christian directing friend of Top Gear. So what do you think of this? God hates Top Gear. It's the only two Christians in the office. And he said, no, God doesn't hate Top Gear. And he's standing on the table by this point in the BBC. God loves Top Gear. And I was like, oh my word, what's going on? And he said, God loves Top Gear because God is using Top Gear to show me humility and that I know nothing at all about actually what I'm doing on this planet. And I thought I had it all together, um, but the newspapers have, have, have put paid to that. But the fact that he was, he's open at talking about faith. So I just, I pray that in your environments, um, you know, other, other teachers may say they have the care of children's minds. Part of a church school, you have care of their minds and their souls. And if you're a PE teacher in a church school, 
you have care of their minds, bodies and souls. So good luck to those people. Um, but I just I just pray that it would be uh, as we come back and the way you are still, I think, coming back, um, that you would uh, find that your schools are uh, places where you have those opportunities that we've been hearing about today uh, for discussions and an openness. And, uh, and I will leave you with this this thought. Um, which is why I should never be a teacher, because I was discussing with some children. I did some uh, a, a talk at a school assembly about the Bible and a child said, um, what about Noah? And I said, what about Noah? He said, well, what about the sharks? I said, what about the sharks? He said, well, my dad says that he's seen a film called Jaws and sharks are evil. And I thought, ah, well, so, oh, so and he said, well, the flood was meant to wipe out all the bad things. So why didn't the sharks get wiped out as well? I said, ah, and I thought on my feet, which is never a good idea when you're meant to try and be in front of school children and i said maybe i think the sharks found a loophole because they could swim and they're meant to be wiped out in the flood but they could swim they just swam a bit lower and they keep in a low profile for 40 days and 40 nights going look there's noah there is keep it down that's what the sharks are doing and the kids said oh is that how they got their name Shark. i thought it's a very good point but uh, it goes to show be careful what do you teach your children um get it right and it could be a marvelous thing but um but may, and it, if I may completely misquote the, uh, the Celtic poem, may the school corridor rise up to meet you. May the school bell always be at your back. May the chalk duster warm upon your face and may the almighty headmaster hold you in the palm of his hand. Um, bless you, I wish you all well. Thank you very much, Paul. I hope some of those ideas and thoughts and smiles will help you as you reflect on your own school part in school leadership. And that's the theme of the uh, little Grove book that I want to draw your attention to in this podcast, Sustaining Faith in School Leadership. You know that you can get these books from grovebooks.co.uk. And this one by Alan Flintham highlights the uh, first verse of the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Faith gives substance to our hopes and makes us certain of realities we do not see. You may know that chapter in Hebrews 11 is about the lives of people from the beginning right through uh, who expressed and desire, uh, hope in God and whose lives were different because of their commitment and understanding of God in the world and in their lives. He says, hope is an important component of school leadership. Using the metaphor of reservoirs of hope, he argues that school leaders, particularly when faced with challenging circumstances and critical incidents, are called to act as the external reservoir of hope for their community by the way they exercise spiritual and moral leadership in confronting and surmounting those challenges. To do this, the school leader must draw upon individual reserves of self-belief and resilience, a personal inner reservoir of hope. And that reservoir demands solid foundations, foundations of faith. I'll leave you to get hold of the book and to read it, maybe for your half-term reading, who knows? Well, here we are, we're nearly at half-term, and I really hope that you will find ways of filling your reservoirs of hope with rest and relaxation, with reading and reflection, and thinking through some of the challenges that maybe you've uh, been encouraged to think about during this podcast. Are we people of hope and faith in the face of the challenges that we have in our world, in our nation and in our schools today? 
Let me close this podcast with a prayer and hope that you'll join us again in a future podcasts and even send in your questions so that I can uh, deal with them directly as we launch podcast episode by podcast episode. Great to have with have you with us today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are are and can be people of hope. Thank you that our trust is not in man but in you. Thank you that the the queries and challenges, the questions and the needs of our schools may whilst they may be huge and and frustrating and cause us great concern. We thank you that we can bring them to you and seek your wisdom day after day, meeting after meeting, decision after decision. This we pray as I ask that all of our schools, children, staff and leaders will enjoy a blessed, restful and encouraging half-term break. In Jesus' name, Amen. So thank you for joining this podcast once again. I hope you come back to future podcasts. Meanwhile, have a great half-term break. Thank you and God bless you.